sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sounds. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little boop. The one place where it sounds the best. You're listening to sound. Sound matters. <laughs> You're listening to Sound Matters, a podcast about sound and things that matter. My name is Tim Hinman. Now we all know that sound is one of the things we experience here in the world. And what we hear, the way we hear it, has everything to do with who we are, where we are, what we are, what we can see and what we can feel, and what we know about the world around us, because we grew up in it. That's all fine, of course. We can take it for granted. Unless, of course, you've never heard anything. If you can't hear, if you were born deaf, just like my guest in this edition of Sound Matters. Her name is Jo Milne, and she didn't hear anything her entire life until she was 40 years old, and somebody made it possible for her to hear for the very first time. And it might be a bit overwhelming at first. I'll say the days of the week again. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> this clip is taken from a mobile phone film filmed by Jo Milne's mother. At the very moment, her cochlear implants were activated. Very high. It will sound high-pitched at first. Your brain will readjust it for you. It won't always sound that way. This is the actual moment when she heard another person's voice for the very first time in her life. It's all right. It's a big, big, life-changing day today. And the moment when she heard her own voice for the very first time in her life. When you hear your own voice. Good. Yes, it will do. Well done. It is a wow moment. It is. Shortly, we'll be going to visit Jo Milne at home, more than a year after this film was made, to see how living in a world of sound is going for her. And if it still is amazing. But first, in order for me to get a better grip and understanding of how sound works in the world, and maybe what it would be like not to be able to hear it, I've been getting some good scientific help. <laughs> Can you tell me, while we're walking down the corridor, who you are and uh, where we are? So, my name is uh, Finn Eierqvist, and I'm an associate professor here at DT. This is I'm Finn Eierqvist. the Department of Electrical Engineering in the research group called Acoustic Technology. Finn works at the Danish Technical University in Lungbu, Denmark. Where are we going right now? So right now we are heading for the labs and we are going to visit first the reverberant rooms. And he's taking me into some very specially designed rooms at the university. One where I'll be able to hear pretty well nothing and another where I'll be able to hear way too much. A so-called reverberant room. So I'm standing outside the, the door here and it's, it's not really a very big room, is it? No, it's about... 240 cubic meters. Even standing here, I can hear it's kind of echoing a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we can go in and... So even if this is, it's only maybe 10 paces across in each direction 
but it sounds like a, I don't know, hello! Sounds like a cathedral. Yeah, it's, it's a very long time. You can see here on the wall we have a measurement indicating that at the mid to low frequencies it takes about six seconds for the sound to, to disappear or at least to attenuate by 60 decibels. So that's a very long time. Can you describe for me what it looks like in here? So it's basically a, a rectangular room, but there's a lot of uh, small surfaces on the walls that are, are in, in different angles. So we have some cone-like objects, we have some large reflecting surfaces, and this is all intended to make sure the sound is scattered in all directions so that we have a very homogeneous sound field in here. So maybe you've experienced in, in, in similar rooms where you have parallel walls that you get a very distinct echo like a very regular uh, pattern of the echoes. This does not happen in this room because the, this is completely randomized. It's a very strange experience because it ought not to sound like this in such a small space really. I mean it's disconcerting maybe when you're not used to it. It's you know, something wrong about it maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're used to having this kind of acoustics in much bigger rooms because most rooms have quite a number of, of, of objects and materials that, that do absorb at least some of the sound. But here, care has been taken to not have that, so really special in that sense. Now, think about your own home. Some rooms are more reverberant than others, of course. Most of us enjoy the bathroom, for example, if we want to do a little singing, as I know I do. And we like our bedrooms and living rooms to be cozy and quiet, and that's why they're often filled with soft furnishings. We all know this, and it's no big deal for most of us. But just try to imagine not knowing this, never having experienced that one room sounds different to another. Right, let's go into the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, this is, um, it's time to visit Jo Mill, gifted with hearing at the age of 40, in her home, in her kitchen. As we are in the northeast of England, and that's Andrea Rangecroft, by the way, doing the reporting here, then obviously it's time for a nice cup of tea. Yeah, you can hear the kettle quite loud. It's like you can hear like the rumble is going to really... If you've been profoundly deaf all your life and then you suddenly start hearing, then everything you hear, every single sound will be new to you. So it's very, very loud. Um, I can really like, at one time, I would have had to put my hand on the kettle to feel the actual squirt pop. And now I can hear when the actual kettle is like boiling. Even making a cup of tea becomes something of an experience. Even now, there are still things that I'm discovering on a daily basis because it's absolutely phenomenal, all these different kind of sounds out there. Because I was quite naive where you might have one sound, that one sound might have a hundred different sounds of one sound. And that, that might be really strange, but even just talking about the rain, where you can have heavy rain or light rain, and there's all different kinds of sounds that just simply come with rain. So it's quite, yeah, it's quite phenomenal, really, and it's taken a lot of getting used to, but absolutely life-changing. Life-changing, and impossible to imagine for anyone who's never experienced it. 
I've asked Finn Eierquist to take me to another special room at the university. It's a so-called anechoic chamber. So can you tell me what we're on our way to go and look at right now? So now we're going to a different building where we have the anechoic chambers and also all of the uh, experimental facilities for the uh, investigations of how the hearing works. A sound-dead room. The total opposite of the reverberant room. It's because I want to try something new for myself. I'd like to try to hear what it sounds like when you can't hear anything. So we're now walking into a room. Wow. Okay, please, uh, oh, we can, if we want to go uh, in, in the whole area, we need to put up some, some protective shoes, or we can stay here on the carpet. That's. Um, I'm okay on the protective carpet, okay. I think. Okay. I feel safe, except that I'm walking above. <laughs> if you could describe where I'm standing or where we're standing mm -hmm. right now. So we're standing in, in a room which is about 8 by 10 by 12 meters. There's a very light uh, wire net in the middle of the room. We're standing on that to be in the middle of the room. Uh, and on the and when, when we say middle here, we're talking up and down middle because yes, I, yes. I can see through the net. We have about 4 or 5 meters below us uh, and the same to the ceiling. And all the surfaces inside here is is uh, covered with absorbers. So these are wedge-shaped objects that are made out of a kind of rock wool, mineral wool, that has acoustic properties that are quite close to to the conditions in, in a sound field. So that as the sound wave hits the absorbers, then it's absorbed and not reflected. And it's quite a dramatic looking place, really. It is, has a, a kind of nice you know, 3D structure to it when you look at it, yeah. This is a big one too, right? This is a very big one. It's it's one of the biggest in Northern Europe. You can get bigger rooms, but then they're often with a concrete floor. So they're what we call semi-anechoic because you have one reflecting surface and then you can, you know, measure trucks and big machinery. But a room like this with with uh, with absorbers on all six surfaces, that this is one of the biggest, yeah. It's very, very quiet in the anechoic chamber. More about that in a bit. But is this really anything like the experience of being deaf? Well, compared to what I can hear today, I have to be completely honest with you. Um, I couldn't hear anything. I would be aware that somebody was talking in the room, but I wouldn't know what they were saying. I have a, a very vivid childhood memory. I can actually remember lying on the floor with my ear pressed up against a high-five speaker to get like a scent of the vibration. I would recognise the beat, like the thump of the beat. But I didn't hear like the, the word or anything like that. Deaf as she was, Jo Milne, with the help of hearing aids, could experience some sound. Not in a way we would recognise if we hear normally, but enough to give her some sense of spatial awareness. Jo was functioning perfectly well in the world, despite her deafness, until a rare syndrome she suffers from, the one which made her deaf, it's called Usher's syndrome, also began to threaten her eyesight. Jo was left with a stark choice, to take the risky procedure of having cochlear implants that might give her a usable sense of hearing, but could, if she was unlucky, result in her losing what little she did have altogether. I can always remember taking my hearing aids out for the very, very last time and putting them like in this like, little circular box 
and it was something so like something I had worn, like since I was ten years old. They were like a part of me. They were like my ears, if you like. They were like my ears that I was putting in a little book. And there was a part of me I could have just grabbed them and just walked back out of the hospital and said, I'm not doing this. Meanwhile, I'm trying to get used to the odd feeling of being in an anechoic chamber. But it, it really is quiet. It's, it's very quiet. And if we... If, I mean, it's, it sounds wrong, right? It doesn't sound like a person clapping. It's... It's uh, too thin or dry. Everything disappears. Yeah. Even Finn, who works here all the time, still finds it an odd sensation to be in this room. I certainly feel that if I'm working in the room, doing uh, measurements or setting up a big setup, then it's also quite quiet. So the, the room has been constructed to really be perfectly isolated from the surroundings. So if you're not making noise, it's completely quiet. And that's also very unusual and uncomfortable. It, it, it feels as if your ears are desperately trying to find some noise, but they don't, and that feels un uncomfortable. I mean, I, I dare say some people might freak out a little bit when they're in here. Yes, yes. That, 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 uh, we get quite mixed reactions when, when, when we have visitors visiting the room. Some people are excited and don't want to leave. Other people are you know, very eager to, to leave the room quickly. <laughs> Fortunately, Joe's implants worked. But the day she experienced hearing for the first time was the beginning of a learning process most of us start before we're even born. What was the first thing you heard? What was the first physical noise and the first voice you heard? Well, obviously the first voice I ever heard was my mum, and my mum shouted smile. And um, the audiologist, she was speaking first, but it was all still happening that it was sort of like getting louder and louder because it didn't just happen straight away. It was like sort of everything was being activated. Right. And all the, the words, the syllables were bouncing off the wall. Not only could she hear the sound of her mother's voice for the first time in her life, but she also noticed for the first time in her life that sound, when it came out of the mouth, didn't stop there, that it bounced around the room and came from all directions at once. And it was fascinating for me because for 40 years I thought when the mouse stopped moving, sound stopped making a sound, if you like. And it wouldn't be long before Joe would find out that every person has their own individual voice. But I just can imagine it went on and on and on because it was like when I heard my father's voice for the first time, I heard my sister's voice for the first time. Friend, it went on to obviously the emotion lasted weeks and weeks. You know, like I always thought voices were either male or female. I didn't realise that we all had our own individual sound of our voices. I decide to persuade Finn to leave me alone in the silence of the anechoic chamber. Could I spend a couple of minutes in here on my own just to listen just to listen to nothing yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> to see what i can or rather what i can't hear okay i now finn is leaving the room and i'm standing in the middle of an anechoic chamber and nothing is happening for Jo Milne, the true scale of change in her life first hit home for her when she came home 
and she tried to shut the door and make the new and constant noise of the world stop. And I can always remember shutting the front door and just feeling that I'm here and I was in complete silence, but I wasn't. And that is when it hit on me for the very first time that I could hear. I was in a world that wasn't silent anymore, but because I'd been out there, I thought the world was noisy, but when you were behind your front door in your home, it was quiet. And that is when, because it was so quiet, I could like hear the sound of my own breathing. Joe becoming aware of the tiniest sounds, like the sound of her own breathing. After a few minutes of hearing nothing in the anechoic chamber, I begin to register that silence, even if it's very silent silence, is still not quite as quiet as you might think. Becoming aware of even the tiniest sounds, like the sound of my neck moving inside my shirt collar, that kind of tinnitus hum in my ears, which isn't a problem, it's just more an absence of sound I can hear. And I feel like I should speak very quietly, even though I could probably shout. And I can remember walking around my home and when I was like the sound of the clock on the wall, even just twisting on like a light switch. I didn't realise the sound of like the ping on my light switch and I was standing there and I was like, I was, I was almost childlike the way I was doing it because I was twisting it on and off for like a few moments. And then I realised it's not quiet, so there was no way I could escape anymore. I had really left that world of silence behind. That was the start of my new life. The start of Joe's new life meant that, bit by bit, she had to put the whole world of sound together with what she knew, or what she thought she knew. Not an easy thing to do. There's a, a lot of hard work involved. I have to. It's not just one of those things where it's just automatic and there you are, you can hear things. You have to teach your brain to hear. I have to teach my implant to listen to the world around me and then it gets easier and easier because I'm starting to recognize what different sounds are. For human beings, there really is no such thing as silence. Take away everything and sit yourself in an anechoic chamber and, if you don't go mad, you'll start to readjust and you'll start to hear things. You'll hear the blood running round inside your veins, you'll hear your stomach rumbling, you'll hear tinnitus-like tones as the eardrum quivers and wobbles on the impulses of nerves and muscles twitching around your body, and of course you'll hear your own breathing. Silence only really exists for the profoundly deaf. And um, you can see I've got like a, a bay window in my living room. And um, in the summer, that can be, that is the area where I tend to have a few wood pigeons. And they can be extremely loud. And it took me five, six, possibly seven months to realise that there were wood pigeons. And I did not know what the noise was. Like, yeah, cotton, cotton. You think they would get tired, but they don't do the cotton, cotton. I thought it was coming from next door, and I didn't know what it was. And then somebody just happened to be sitting in the living room with me, and I said, "What is that sound?" And man we said it was the wood pigeon. And now I know that it's like a wood pigeon when I hear that sound. 
And when I'm walking down the street now, just like a blanket of lean, and there's nothing nicer when there's like a... I would say it's like when it's like a cracking sound of like the leaves, yeah. Mm. Absolutely amazing. And I deliberately find myself walking on top of the leaves. I'm sure that's where everybody yeah, But is. find the most crunchy leaves. Yeah, just like, the oh, crunchy leaves. Crush it onto your foot. Yeah, I know. Crunchy, yeah, I find myself doing that deliberately. And um, I'm realising that very quickly. Although it's only been a year since I've had the implant. But summer sounds very different to winter. Next time you're in the mood, and after you've unplugged your headphones and stopped listening to your music, this podcast, or whatever else it is you like to hear to drown out the sound of the world around you, try to imagine the sound of something you've never heard. So I hopefully we'll have like a, a white Christmas and I can make some memories with the white snow. Get the sound of footsteps in the snow. Yeah, but no, I don't know what that sounds like just yet, no, the footsteps in the snow. I'll try and describe it to you. It's kind of, yeah. it's almost like, you know, polystyrene. Oh, when, you, right, when, yeah. when you squash polystyrene, it kind of makes a bit of a squeak. Right. Oh, right. It kind of, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, kind of, right, yeah. maybe not what you'd expect it to yeah. sound like, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say the months of the year. Okay. I want you to tell me how the volume is both sides. January, February, March, April, May, <laughs> June, July, August, September, October, November, <laughs> December. <laughs> Could you hear those words? <laughs> A huge thank you to Professor Finn Eyrqvist from the Danish Technical University, and of course to Joe Milne, who's written a book about her experiences, which is called Breaking the Silence. Thanks to Andrea Rangecroft for talking to Joe. This edition of Sound Matters was written and produced by me, and my name is Tim Hinman. Sound Matters is made possible by B&O Play, and you can find out more about them at beoplay.com. Sound Matters.